Welcome to Beaks and Geeks. I'm Amy. This week's guest is Jasmine Guillory, the author of the new novel, The Wedding Date. It's a smart and sweet romance that begins when Alexa gets stuck in an elevator. Luckily, the other person in there is cute, sweet, and needs a plus one. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting because I don't often read like strong romantic storylines or romances in general, but I really, really enjoyed this book. And I kind of wanted to just dig into your expertise. What romance books would you recommend to a newbie? Oh my goodness. I have so many. Um, There's like lots of different genres of romance. So I think that depends on what, what kind of it calls you. I tend to veer towards either historical romance or contemporary. Um, There's also lots of stuff with like paranormal and um, and, you know, suspense and stuff, but I like my romance to be on the non-scary side. Yeah. Um, in the historical vein, I love Tessa Dare's books. They are fun, um, but they, her, her female characters are really strong and interesting and have, and they have a lot of agency. Um, and her male characters are, I feel like there's a lot of like male characters whose main tendency is just to be a jerk in some romances and her male characters are all just like they have maybe have some jerky qualities but in the end they're just interesting and good people um I love Courtney Milan's books um she actually writes both historical and contemporary romances and I love all all of her books um they she's really smart some of them have interesting social issues um her heroines are all kind of smart and have a lot of some kind of secrets in their past, but ones that you want to find out about. Um, and then Alyssa Cole, uh, she writes a range of romances. Um, I'm really excited for her new book to come out a princess in theory, um, which is a contemporary, but, uh, I love her civil war romances. Extraordinary union came out last year and then it's follow up. A hope divided, um, came out, I think right at the end of the year and they're both just wonderful. I mean, um, those are the greatest titles I can imagine. Too. Right. They're so good. They're so, good. <laughs> so, so those are, those are sort of a range of books that I just recommend to anybody. I also saw that you did a really great list for Thrillist. That was a bunch of romantic comedies that you really loved. Can we please talk about Moonstruck, which is my favorite romantic comedy? It's funny because when I was working on that list, I rewatched a bunch of movies that I had seen a long time ago, but was like, will this be on the list? And Moonstruck, I was like, I can't believe I haven't watched this in 10 years. Yeah. Because it's such a great movie. It's also so weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally weird. Like, there's a lot in it that that it's like, oh, this would not be in a movie today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I recommend that to anybody. (laughs) And it's, I forget where it's streaming, but it's streaming in a number of places. So it's very easy to find. From, from any of those romantic comedies or, or even just romances in general, um, do you have a favorite meet cute? Because your book begins with a really fun meet cute. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, that's a great question. I actually not sure if I have a favorite one in romantic comedies. A lot of my favorite romantic comedies, they start either... I mean, like, obviously there's when Harry met Sally, but their meeting is not so cute, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And which, you know, 
I, that is my favorite romantic comedy of all time, just to put in a plug for When Harry Met Sally. Um, yeah, most of my favorite romantic comedies, either they're meeting, they already know each other, or they kind of hate each other when they meet. <laughs> um, so it was fun to write, like, a cute meeting. Yeah. One of my coworkers and friends was telling me about, um, she reads a lot of romances, and she was like, oh, yeah, there are all these things. There's, like, enemies to friends, roommates, fake wedding. <laughs> I had no oh, idea. Yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> When, when you start into romances, you kind of realize that there are, there are some very well-developed tropes, which I'm really into because it feels it's fun to, to see all of the different things that authors can twist on a very established trope, um, which I find fun to read. Yeah. Well, in this book, in The Wedding Date, the main character has to go on a date and she doesn't have a dress. And so you included my favorite part of any movie or piece of media ever, which is basically a fashion montage. Yes, I love the fashion montage. Um, Tell me about some of the other tropes that you included and kind of turned on their heads in this book. Well, I mean, obviously, the main one is the fake relationship, which is a big romantic trope um, where, you know, the couple has to pretend they're in a relationship to other people. Um, Another kind of variety of that is the like the the fake wedding where they're just kind of set up in a marriage of convenience. Those are usually (laughs) historical books Um, and then eventually fall in love. Um, I really like the fake relationship um I think because they they kind of have to force themselves into doing things that you don't really do until you know someone very well you know so there's lots of like touching and smiling at each other and things like that that you wouldn't let yourself do in at a first date even if you really like someone you know you wouldn't like put your hand on his shoulder in public or you wouldn't like smile up at him like that but you can let yourself do that if you're trying to pretend to the rest of the world um so it was fun to write in that way and to see and to kind of figure out what the what the two characters would be thinking about when they're trying to pretend both to other people and to themselves. Yeah. When you're reading the book, you get both sides of the coin. Like you get both Alexa's and Drew's point of view, which is great because you kind of get to see how they fall in love at the same time and at different points and things. Do you what do you think is the most appealing about Drew and Alexa respectively? Like what's the most what would you fall in love with? Two things that I actually really like about both of them is they each have kind of personal drive for their jobs. Um, and they both feel they're both really good friends to their friends. Um, and they rely on their friends in, you know, both for advice about their relationship, but for other things in their life. Um, and so that's one thing that I'm drawn to just from people in general is to care a lot about something else, I think. Um, and, you know, I think you find out a lot about a person when you find out what they care about. Um, And so I think Alexa and Drew were drawn to each other because they can see this person feels strongly about, you know, their job, these other people, how they live their lives. And I think that that's one thing that, um, that I find really attractive in a person. Um, Yeah. And also they hit bumps in the relationship and then they talk them out. A lot of the times I kind of expected something to derail things and then, you circumvented that by just having someone to be like, hey, this is a an issue with me. Yeah. So what was what was the hardest part about writing this book to you? The hardest part, I think, was was them having conflicts in their relationship that felt real and not manufactured for the conflict in a book. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, for them to have a fight that two real people would have instead of just like thinking something in their head and then, you know, storming off so that there could be a brand resolution at the end. Like I, I wanted them to have the thoughts and feelings of real people in their thirties who have been in relationships before and kind of have gone through ups and downs and not just write something that would work on a page. And that uh, there were a few, there were a few scenes that I kind of wrote and rewrote like four or five times in different ways to see like, does this work? Would a real person say this or real person think this way? Um, so those were the biggest challenges I think I had. Yeah. Well, um, this is your first novel and you're a full-time lawyer. Isn't that right? I am. Yeah. Can you kind of walk me through how you started to think that you might want to write a novel and how you, how that came to be? That seems like such a hard thing to learn how to do when you're already working full-time. Yeah. I, um, so it was about, I think seven or so years ago, um, I realized that I didn't really have any creative outlet in my life. I'd been a lawyer for about eight years then. Um, and I liked my job, but it didn't feel like I was doing something fun after work. You know, I would hang out with my friends or I would, you know, I like to cook and things like that. But I was like, I need to do something a little bit more. Um, I need to learn how to grow a little bit still, you know, I wasn't, I I needed to keep learning. Um, and I've always loved to read, never really thought about being a writer before until then. And so I started talking to a friend of mine, um, who already was a writer about what her process was and if she thought that that was something that I could do and she was really supportive. And so I just started writing. And I I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at that point. You know, I just kind of came up with a story and started writing it. Um, And then I, I kept going. Um, And I just realized while I was doing it that I had a lot of fun writing. And that, you know, even if this wasn't going to be something that I could do professionally, I wanted to keep doing it. Was that first foray into writing? Was that going to be the wedding date? Is it the same story? No, um, no. So the first, the first book I wrote was young adult book actually. Um, and I worked on that one for a while and then ended up not getting that. I, I tried to get that published and didn't. One thing that I think is good about the early process of learning how to write is that I kind of had to learn what process works the best for me. Um, and so the second book that I tried to write, I, you know, I think there's a, there's a division in how people write. If, if you're a person who starts with an outline and a person who just like starts with an idea and then just goes from there. Um, and so the first book I wrote, I started with an outline. And then the second one, I thought like, I'll just, I just have an idea. I don't, uh, all of these other writers just do it without an outline. I'll try that. I realized that I really need an outline <laughs> in working on that book, but that was a helpful thing for me to learn. Um, because I wrote the first half of that book three times and then eventually never finished it because I didn't really know where I was going with it. Um, and then actually I took a break from writing for a while. I was having some health problems. And so I was re- I started reading a ton of romance at that time. And then I was just kind of reading for fun. I wasn't planning on writing it at all. This is so fun to read, but I wouldn't want to write one of these. And then 
a few months later, I thought, well, actually, one or one. And then I had the idea for the wedding date, and then started writing it. Um, why didn't you think that you would want to write one? Like, what what was that impression? You know, I think because when I the first big batch of romances that I was reading were historical romances, and I love history. I was a history major in college, and I love reading about it. Um, but I think. I, I just didn't feel called to write a hi- historical book. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed complicated in some ways, not the kind of thing that I wanted to do. And then I, when I started reading contemporary books, I was like, oh, this, I could do, like, this seems like me. You know, this seems like I can have ideas in my head of what I would do for this kind of book. Yeah. Um, so I think that was, it would just, I just needed to kind of shift my attitude about what a romance was, really. A lot of the times I think of romance as like pure fantasy. Um, and this was very much like this could happen, you know, and it's very sweet for that reason. I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, it's not every day that you run into somebody especially cute in an elevator, but it's, yes. it's conceivable. <laughs> um and another thing that's really awesome that I think a lot of people will appreciate is that this is a book that the protagonist is a black woman. Um, and I think in most media and especially in literature, um, there's not as many black characters as maybe there should be. Um, so can you talk a little bit about you, you dealt in a really, really, really lovely way about some tensions about race in the book, but it wasn't like overarching. So can you talk about those interactions a little? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want the book to be about race, you know, it's a, it's a story about two people falling in love. Um, but in, I mean, it's 2018, right? It was 2015 when I was working on the bulk of the book. But even then, I mean, even then, <laughs> I mean, this is a world in which race is a part of the story, especially if you're a person of color. Um, and so I talk about race with my friends all the time. It, it doesn't seem realistic to have a romantic relationship, whether the other person in the relationship is the same race as me or of a different one to not have those conversations. Um, So it just felt natural to have them, you know, have some conflict about race, but also just have conversations about it. And most of the, most of the conversations that they have aren't in conflict. They're just kind of talking through something. And those are how most of the conversations I have about race with my friends are. It's, you know, whether it's with a white friend who asks me a question or I have a situation where I'm talking to a friend about it or another friend of color and I are kind of venting about something. We have those conversations constantly. And I think, you know, it, it made sense for Alexa and Drew to also have those conversations. They live in California. She lives in the Bay Area. He lives in LA. Those are very multicultural um, areas. And, you know, those are parts of their lives that they would naturally talk about. Yeah. Um, and another really lovely aspect of the book is Alexa's relationship with her sister, which I thought was really rich and really, um, well thought out. Um, can you, can you describe their relationship and some of their tensions? Yeah. Well, Alexa is a younger sister. Um, and she and her older sister have always had a little bit of tension, um, just for, you know, in the way that family does, right? They love each other very much, but um, they kind of push at each other's buttons in ways that also family does. Um, And so some of that comes out throughout the storyline of, 
you know, things that Alexa is trying to do to partly to impress her sister, partly to kind of make an impact on her sister. And in the same way, her sister really cares about Alexa. But some of the, the things that they deal with, they've thought about for years, but never really talked about. And so I wanted them to kind of go through some of that throughout the story. Something that's very exciting is that I just saw that you have another book slated to come out this year, which is insane. Um, And it's called The Proposal. And I was reading the description and it talks about the character Carlos. Is that the same Carlos? It is the same Carlos. Yes. But can you tell us anything about that book? Yeah, so Carlos is Drew's best friend from the wedding date, um, and the proposal starts with uh, Carlos is sitting behind a woman. He goes to a game at Dodger Stadium, um, and the woman he is sitting behind gets proposed to by her boyfriend over the Jumbotron, and she says no. Um, And then her boyfriend storms out, and it becomes a big thing as it would um and so that that's kind of where they meet um and then their their story goes from there that's so fun um well uh, I already asked you about book recommendations but I saw that you love makeup and lipstick and uh and food and cooking so would you please recommend your favorite lipstick right now and your favorite thing you're cooking right now Oh, well, let's see. I have a lot of favorite lipsticks. My current favorite lipstick, which I think a lot of the internet agrees with me on this, is um, the Fenty Stunna uh, um, Lip Paint, which is Rihanna's new line. I love it. Um, I recommended it to many friends, and it looks good on everyone I've seen it on, which is wonderful. Um, It is also, it's pretty matte, but it doesn't feel as drying as a lot of matte lipsticks, which I'm very sensitive to, so I really recommend that. Um, My favorite thing I'm cooking right now, I'm actually planning on making a batch of these tonight, is uh, these brownies that I love. Um, They are, if you Google... Food 52 Cocoa Brownies. They're on that site. Um, They are a recipe from a cookbook author that I've followed for years. Um, And they're just pretty easy and very good brownies. Everybody I've ever made them for goes crazy for them. And they they probably take, like, you use cocoa in them instead of chopping up chocolate and melting them. So it doesn't take that long to do it. And it's wonderful. Oh, that sounds so good. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Jasmine. That was awesome. It was my pleasure. 